You are listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as the other show I do, How to Stan, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com and subscribe to my newsletter at howtostan.substack.com. K-pop interviews, album reviews, and more. Subscribing is free, but if you want to continue to support my work, feel free to donate. Click the support the show button on the homepage at 17karatkpop.weebly.com. Welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop and the series of episodes called RM's Rex. Today, the RM book recommendation we will be discussing Almond by Wan Pyun Son, translated by Sandy Joo-sun Lee. It was published in 2019 and received a ton of rightly deserved praise. RM was seen reading it in an episode of In the Soup, actually, and he convinced bandmate Suga to give it a try, too. And I gave it a try. And let me tell you, out of all the books I've read for this BT Study Guides and RM's Rex series of episodes, this is by far, by far, by far my favorite. It is truly so captivating. It's written for young adults, and it has super short chapters, making it the opposite of an intimidating read and one I finished in one afternoon. I just could not stop reading it, truly. I thought maybe I'll give a few chapters a try, but there's no good place to just put your bookmark and be done. You've got to find out what happens next. It's just really well done, and has really powerful, thought-provoking characters, quotes, and plots. That's why I decided to dedicate a whole episode to this one, and it really touched me in a personal way. As I've talked about on episodes of the show before and on my newsletter, I am autistic, and that really shapes my worldview, my interactions with others, how they perceive me, being ostracized throughout my life, etc. So this story really got to me, and I think it's a very, very worthwhile read. There are parts where you will feel like, okay, this is a bit graphic, a bit gory, a bit over the top, but truly the dramatic, attention-grabbing aspects of the story, I think, really help propel the underlying narrative forward. They serve a purpose, not just shock and awe. So just bear with the story and all its twists and turns, and you will be glad you did. Let's start with a quick rundown of the characters. The main character is a young boy named Yunjae. Yunjae is a boy who has alexithemia, a neurological condition that he overtly says in the book, which is for the most part in first person, he says this was not autism. Distinct, different diagnosis, but the parallels are quite clear in how it manifests. His condition is basically his almonds, as he calls them, two little almond-shaped pieces of your brain, amygdala, are smaller than normal and they don't function like everyone else's. So he has a hard time registering emotions. So with autism, I know how I'm feeling. I just don't know how to express it properly or how to express it at all. In his case, he doesn't know what those feelings are and how to identify them in the first place. Kind of a simplistic way to distinguish them, but that's the big clarification to keep in mind here. But a lot of behavioral parallels, because people around him view him as very weird. He never shows emotion, he never smiles, never laughs or cries, he's just blank-faced, no matter what. He feels and has the intuition to understand when he feels very physically rooted feelings, like being hot or cold, hungry or thirsty. 
But as for things like happiness and sadness, he doesn't really get how to define those and characterize them. He needs to be consciously taught, and this is what his mom and grandma spend their lives training him to do and practicing with him. He needs help identifying the connections between certain behaviors and those feelings. So like for me, I might get more intuitively, someone is smiling, that must be linked to happiness. Now, it could be smirking, but that's a whole other side debate. But just at its most basic level, I kind of get what those expressions, body movements, and behaviors are trying to express. This character cannot connect those dots. So he sees smiling and he doesn't know what that means. He has to consciously learn that's associated with happiness. So he's quite the outsider. He's being raised by his mom and grandma, who run this used bookstore out of their house. They lived together because his single mom needed help. So actually, after not talking to her grandma for seven years, they reconnected because she just needed the help raising him. And so he's always been nicknamed their adorable monster. They insist he needs to take that as a compliment. And he gets the usual phrases directed at him all the time that I'm used to as well, you know, oh, you're the special one, you're different, unique, whatever words they want to use to explain why you're abnormal. Granny and Yunjae's mom have a really interesting relationship because they're very combative. Most of the time they are really at each other's throats. There are so many lingering bad feelings because Granny always wanted her daughter to become well-educated and a famous author. She did become well-educated, but not a famous author. It's phrased interestingly in the book, too, as like almost a more cowardly thing to do, that she felt too intimidated and insecure to put her own stories into the world, so she made a career selling other people's stories. And her grandma's very often disappointed in her. But they also help each other and make each other laugh a lot, so it's an interesting snarky back and forth they have. Right above their bookstore is a bakery, run by Dr. Shim. Dr. Shim starts looking out for Yun Jae financially and emotionally and otherwise, kind of a de facto caretaker, after one of the tragic climaxes of the story involving a stabbing of his mom and grandma. We'll get back to that in a second. He really bonded with Yun Jae's mom, over shared trauma. Because much like her lover left, he is also partnerless now because he's wrecked with guilt because his wife had a heart attack and died and he's a doctor and couldn't save her. She loved the smell of baked goods, so he basically opened a bakery in her honor and never picked up a scalpel again. Yoon Lisu, aka Gon, He's an ultimate bully. He bounced around homes a lot, was in juvie for a while, beats people up, curses a lot, does not know how to healthily channel his anger, and he feels always abandoned by being in group homes, in juvie, etc. He feels like everyone gave up on him and takes that anger out on other people. And he does bully Yoonjae. So why does Yoonjae become friends with him? We'll get to that, but part of the interest is Gon clearly wants to be like Yoonjae. He wants to feel less, because he feels everything right now, and doesn't know how to process it. Anger, fear, betrayal, shame. And he constantly comments, I wish I could be like you. How are you so stoic and unfeeling? I want to be tough like that. Yoonjae constantly pushes back, well, that doesn't make me tougher than you. That's not true toughness. But, of course, he's never convinced of that. 
Professor Yoon is a business professor and Gones, although he refuses to refer to him as father. He is also living with a ton of guilt, wondering where he went wrong with his son. What made his son that monster? Note the word monster again here. His son gets into so much trouble that he often pays off schools and businesses. He has to settle with them to avoid prosecution over his son's behavior. There are these two gang leader characters, Steel Wire and Steamed Bun. Steamed Bun is kind of like a liaison. Steel Wire is like the cream of the crop. Super intimidating, he's like the gang leader's gang leader. He went to the same juvie center as Gong, and he actually committed crimes so heinous they don't even elaborate on that in the book. Just he did unspeakably bad stuff. Lastly, Dora. Dora is someone Yoon-jae starts crushing on, although it takes him a long time to figure out that's what he's experiencing. It's a crush. She's very frustrated with her parents because they want her to take up a more lucrative sports career, like being a pro golfer, or switch career paths entirely. But her passion is track and field. There's not even an official track and field team at her school, but she practices anyway, in the halls, in random quiet rooms. That's where she comes face to face with Yoon-jae, is when she's just secretly doing her warm-ups in the library. She befriends Yoon-jae and then some. She starts visiting him as he works at the bookstore regularly. And it's interesting because while Yoon-jae always talks about his immense love and respect for the written word, Dora much prefers pictures. And she talks about how running is just like breathing to her. It's just what she does. It's her reason for being. She just runs because she loves to run. She's also very fidgety, can't sit still. She's a character who always talks about her need to be in motion. She doesn't like how static words seem. She prefers what pictures communicate and show. Here are some key plot points. There are many past incidents Yunji describes where he was scolded at and or looked at weird for being abnormal, not showing remorse. He was spitting off this overpass, not feeling any remorse for people he could have spit on. After the stabbing when his mom's in the hospital, he never talks to her. Dora tries to convince him to, just at a symbolic level, it's a nice gesture. But he just thinks about it logically, like, why would I do that? She's in a coma. She's not going to hear me anyway. He thinks very logically like that. Logically in the actual dictionary sense of the word. Removed from emotions. And at age six, he saw this boy being beaten up in an alley. He went in to a nearby store to tell the shop owner, hey, there's a guy in the alley who's gonna die. But he said it in such a monotonous, apathetic tone, and he was just six years old at the time, that the store owner was like, quit making up such outlandish lies, that's irresponsible of you. Eventually he did respond. He took his time, but he responded, called the cops. By that point, the boy was dead and turned out to have been his son. On Christmas Eve, which happened to be Yoonjae's birthday, he went out to eat with his mom and grandma. The two of them went outside to just bask in the snow, enjoy the Christmas parade. It was just a beautiful, jovial sight. And Yoonjae was about to join them outside after grabbing handfuls of their favorite candy off the counter for them. But all chaos suddenly was unleashed, and this man stabbed everyone he saw. In total, he got to six people, the first two victims being his mom and grandma. His grandma died that night, but his mom fell into a coma. 
so it just becomes a normal part of his routine. Yunji visits her at the hospital every day. Later on, the perpetrator is caught and his backstory comes out. Turns out he was quote-unquote normal. He lived a normal life. Nothing out of the ordinary in his past that would have tipped people off for this. But they did find a letter he had written that said, quote, If I see anyone smiling today, I will take them with me. Flash forward to Yunji in high school. Gone starts attending that school. He recruits these two guys to be his cronies, basically. Do his bidding. He's the bad guy on campus. And he seems to be more and more upset with Yunjie because Yunjie has no reaction to the torment. And that's what he seeks, is that reaction. So his harassment of Yunjie gets more and more intense because he's like, why aren't you getting mad? Are you mad now? Are you mad now? Why am I not getting under your skin here? It's like that scene in Spongebob where Flats decided he was going to kick Spongebob's butt, but he realized that since Spongebob is a sponge, he's not going to feel a thing, but he spends the whole day trying to anyway, and it just bounced off him, and he laughed, and it tickled. Anyway, I know I bring a Spongebob connection into everything. I apologize. But let's get back to the story. So then, the teacher leaves the room. Gone, in his boldest attempt yet to get attention, Writes on the board, meet me tomorrow after lunch, in front of the incinerator, on campus. A crowd did show up the following day, and this is what is dubbed the incinerator incident. This led to another violent attack, and Yoon-jae still did not express any outward emotion, hurt, pain, anger, sorrow, fear, any of that. Yunjae continues to say, why are you doing this? Not even in an anguished way, like, how could you be so cruel? But he's just asking, like, why are you doing this irrational thing? I'm never going to react. That's not how my brain works. I can't give you what you want here. Gone is just so perplexed by that. So that's when he starts regularly visiting the bookstore after this incident. Partly due to curiosity of just how are you like this and a desire to be like that too what he perceives to be acting tough by never crying and things like that. His other motive for visiting this bookstore is really tragic. His mom, Professor Yoom's wife, is at death's door in the hospital, and so she's not paying full attention to who comes to visit her. She can't fully clearly see them and interact with them at the state of consciousness she would before she was sick. And in general, there are a lot of physical similarities between Gone and Yoon-jae. So Professor Yoom asks if Yoon-jae would be willing to go pretend to be Gone at the hospital. Because Gone is at a group home, hasn't been home in 13 years, and is viewed as just not emotionally ready to see his parents again. But his mom's dying wish is to meet her son one last time. So Yoon-jae is like, okay, I'll pretend to be him. Which he does, he hugs Gon's mom in her final moments, says the lines he was told to say, and pulls it off. So part of the reason Gon has such intense feelings toward Yunjie is because he really wants to know, what was his mom like in those moments? How did she treat him and talk to him as she thought it was him? Some other major incidents in this story, there's this big pizzeria incident where Yunjie doesn't know how to respond, to certain comments Gone is making. So he just starts copying him, repeating everything he says and mimicking his movements. That copycat game really ticks him off. He ends up throwing a tantrum and Gone flips over tables, makes a mess of the restaurant, makes a big scene of it. 
But then there are scenes like the one where Yoonji gets a paper cut and doesn't react despite profusely bleeding from it. Gon sees what's happening and is very scared for him and tries to help stop the bleeding. He's very sickened by what happened. So in some ways he always looks out for Yoonjae, ironically. A few days after the paper cut incident, Gon insists on putting Yoonjae through what he calls empathy training. And Gon starts animal mistreatment trigger warning here. He starts slowly, more and more intensely, maiming a butterfly, waiting for the moment when Yoonjae responds, stop, 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 I can't take it anymore. But that moment never comes. He just keeps staring at what happened blankly. And who actually puts an end to the butterfly's torture is Gon himself, who can't take it anymore and feels so distraught over the butterfly's death. There's also this field trip where Gon is accused of stealing the class money that was pooled together for their snacks. He's very ticked off at that accusation. It turns out it wasn't him. But Yoonjae, responding like he always does with logic, not emotions, says, well, of course they expected you to do it, given your criminal history, etc. Who else would have done it? So then Gon basically says, maybe I should just be what everyone thinks I'm gonna be. If they think I'm this rude criminal, might as well just live up to their expectations. It's also worth noting that when the true culprit of the money is found, not a single classmate shows any remorse for blaming Gon initially. Then there's this very complex relationship among Dr. Shim, Gon, and Yoonjae. Because he's the one guy who will actually encourage Yoonjae to keep hanging out with this former bully of his. Ian says, if you really want to be friends with him, I support that, but how are you going to do that? Think about what he does for you. And so Yoonjae thinks, well, he comes to visit me all the time. So he decides to visit Gon at Gon's expensive penthouse where he meets his housekeeper. So it adds this interesting class divide that causes these feuds, hard feelings among peers, a new layer to these character dynamics introduced through that. We learn he comes from money. The last part of the story follows Gon going into hiding. He just loses it after another outburst at school and runs away. So Yoonjae has to go to Steamed Bun to ask for his whereabouts. He does eventually find him in this dark, messy room, looking smaller than ever, beaten up, and ashamed. Steel Wire is there. Long story short, part four is super dark, violent, and eventually Steel Wire stabs Yoonjae. That is when Gon holds Yoonjae and just sobs, begging him not to die and leave him. And Yoonjae just mutters, without even really thinking about it, he blurts, please go apologize, to that butterfly, to any living being you ever hurt. And Gon responds that he certainly will. It's his karma. He's got to do this now. This experience was not only a total life-changing one for Gon, but for Yoonjae. Because after he comes to, after losing consciousness, everything feels different to him. He describes this out-of-body experience where his soul leaves his body, sees a star-shaped cutout on the top of Gon's head for the first time, and just starts laughing it up, thinks it's so funny. Remember, he never laughed before. He has a flood of other emotions, and he feels like, wow, I'm a different person now. I can finally feel. I get feelings more now. Some notable things that happen at the very end... Dora changes schools, so they're not really still a couple. She ends up going to a school that does have a track and field team on which she thrives. 
While Yoon-jae is still recovering from being stabbed in the hospital, a surprise guest is there to visit him. It's his mom, who throughout the book, people thought, or at least I did, that she was at death's door, was never gonna wake up. But it's a miracle! And she's back up wide awake from her coma, and the two embrace each other, laughing while crying, and he tells her everything. It's a really emotional part of the book. The story ends with this quote. I do not know how the story will unfold. As I said, neither you, nor I, nor anyone can ever know whether a story is happy or tragic. It may be impossible to categorize a story so neatly in the first place. Life takes on various flavors as it flows. I've decided to confront it. Confronting whatever life throws at me, as I always have. And however much I can feel, nothing more, nothing less. Unquote. There is a lot to unpack here, and I think I will invoke some content from Damien as well, the book we talked about in episode one of BT Study Guides. I see some interesting accidental parallels there. The first main topic I really want to reflect on is how Yoon Jae tries to articulate the unique way he experiences life and finds it easier to relate to others than they assume because he just doesn't have the words to prove that. He's more quote-unquote normal than you think. Normal is more of a social construct that has no meaning than people think. What is normal? He talks about some of the reasons he wants to fit in just in a practical way. Not in an emotional way, but he says it feels like he hasn't watched the same movie as everybody else has. So if he does learn to watch that movie, at least he'll have another conversation topic with them. Really interesting excerpt from chapter 10. Quote, By the time I was in fourth grade, I had managed to blend in, making mom's dream come true. Most of the time, it was enough to stay silent. I had discovered that if I kept quiet when I was expected to get angry, it made me look patient. And if I kept silent when I was supposed to laugh, it made me look more serious. And if I kept silent when I was expected to cry, it made me look strong. Silence was definitely golden. I still habitually said, thank you and I'm sorry. They were the magic words that helped me get through tricky situations. That was the easy part. As easy as being handed a thousand won and giving back a couple hundred won in change. The hard part was when I had to hand someone a thousand won first. It was like paying first when there was nothing I wanted to buy, and when I had no idea what anything cost. It was as overwhelming as trying to make big waves on a serene lake. I definitely relate to that, that feeling of, look, I can deal with social interactions, I've kind of learned what is and is not appropriate to say in response. But to actually initiate, it is like being asked to pay when the other person knows the prices and you have no idea let alone knowing what to tip them. He also talks about wanting to, at times, show quote-unquote normal emotions to connect with people like Dora more. He describes this small ember in him. Quote, I wanted to read between the lines. I wanted to be someone who truly understood the meaning of an author's words. I wanted to know more people, to be able to engage in deep conversations, and to learn what it was to be human. At that moment, Dora came into the bookstore. I didn't say hi. I wanted to tell her about my small ember before it went out, unquote. Two interesting related quotes. 
He says how he interprets the butterfly incident was that Gone blinked and lost the staring contest. That he just didn't know how to close his eyes in the first place. Gone couldn't keep his eyes open. Yoon Jae just didn't know how to close them in the first place. And that metaphor to me just shows how Yoon Jae actually is more insightful about and acutely aware of society and how the world works than maybe some people who are wrapped up so tightly in their emotional responses. In other words, his sense of thinking purely rationally is not always a bad thing. Like he sees facades for what they are, for shows, for just how humans behave, for just following social norms. He sees that stuff for the arbitrary stuff it is. And I do too, frankly. There are a lot of times where people get emotional over a situation, and I just don't think of it that way. Graduation ceremonies, for example. People view them as so important, but I just think of it as, so you walk up to a podium, you get a piece of paper, you shake a hand, and you wave at people. That's not emotional to me. Of course people say then, well, there's so much more to that. So much more meaning tied to that. And that's what I'm saying. That's why you need to exist in this world and be deemed normal. A mix of rational thinking and emotional meaning attached to, at the end of the day, arbitrary stuff. There's nothing wrong, but there's just something different about the way people like me and Yoon Jae analyze situations. And sometimes that helps. You know, sometimes I'm like, I'm glad I don't sob over missing graduation due to COVID, for example. I'm glad I'm not emotionally attached to those types of pomp and circumstance ceremonies. It helps me see them just as what they are and then move on with my life. And Yoon Jae sees the butterfly incident and similar ones for what they are. He doesn't take them personally. He doesn't internalize them because he sees them as part of Gon's project to prove his strength and toughness. But he sees through that. Quote, we couldn't possibly resemble each other. I was too numb, and Gon didn't admit he was vulnerable. He just pretended to be strong. People said there was no way to understand Gon. I didn't agree with them. It's just that nobody ever tried to see through him. He also always calls Gon the easiest person to understand in the world. All the people around him are like, what a weirdo, can't get into his head. But Yoonjae's like, I can. He's pretty transparent. Everything he's doing is in pursuit of a sense of toughness to mask his true, easy for him to spot, vulnerability. The story also touches on the very frustrating limitations of language. I think about this all the time, and I actually wrote about it in my Life as an Autistic and Citizen essay on my substack. I get so frustrated when I'm supposed to learn to express myself like quote-unquote normal people because I'm like, well, how do I do that? Words don't seem powerful enough to me. Words are just one flat dimension of describing what it feels like to feel. They're so limiting to me. We talked about this a lot throughout the BT Study Guide series, too. It gets frustrating, because happiness is just a word at the end of the day. It doesn't mean anything. Sadness doesn't mean anything. Fear doesn't mean anything. We gave them definitions as humans, but without us to activate those meanings, they mean nothing. As Yunji says, quote, the letters Granny and Mom had pasted on the walls were meaningless decorations now that there was no one to teach me what they meant, unquote. 
in when Yunjie tries to explain why, he thinks, yeah, Gon is actually a really good guy. He says, quote, but if someone asked me to talk about him in more detail, I'd only be able to say that he beat me and hurt me and he ripped apart a butterfly. He set his face against the teachers and threw things at my classmates. That's how language is. It is as hard as proving that Lisu and Gon are the same person. One more quote about this. To be honest, I couldn't have cared less. Whether I was normal or not made little to no difference. To me, it was as subtle as the differences in the nuances of words. Another thing to note about what I see as the limitations of language, Yunji is confused because his mom tries to simplify things for him. Actually, that's kind of what people have tried to do for me throughout my life, is say, oh, if they, a person does that, that means this. If a person does this, that means that. And by simplifying, by breaking down and teaching what we do, obviously, at some point, you have to simplify it to teach people how others behave. But there's so much that gets lost in that simplification process as well. For example, Yoonjae walks into the room one day and sees that Dr. Shim is watching a really horrific story on the news. But he's able to just turn around while this tragedy is unfolding on the news and just smile and say hi to Yoonjae like life is going on as normal. And Yoonjae says, quote, Mom would say, a tragedy that's too distant cannot be your tragedy. But what about the people who did nothing? as they just stood and watched my mom and granny being attacked that day. They saw it happen in front of their eyes. They were too close to use the excuse that it was a distant tragedy. People shut their eyes to a distant tragedy, saying there's nothing they could do, yet they didn't stand up for one happening nearby either, because they're too terrified." Unquote. He's very confused, like, well, wasn't I told that people are supposed to cry when they see tragedy? Does this not count as a tragedy? How are we defining tragedy? And why does the definition vary based on proximity? Really something to stop and think about. Another quote worth stopping to think about. Mom said everything was for my sake, calling it love. But to me, it seemed more likely we were doing this out of her own desperation, not to have a child that was different. Love, according to Mom's actions, was nothing more than nagging about every little thing with teary eyes about how one should act. If that was love, I'd rather neither give nor receive any." Unquote. He's not saying it as such, but I do think he is saying here, hey, I'm feeling frustration. If love is trying to put me in a box, make me fit in, I don't want it. So aside from arbitrariness and limitations of language, a desire to find one's place in the world, the struggles with navigating social norms. Another big theme to stop and think about is love and a need for connection. There's a really, really interesting excerpt from the book I want to read that might be alluding to true events. I'll leave you to be the judge of what is being referenced here, but here it is talking about a K-pop music show award show win. Quote, A five-member girl group was giving a speech for topping the charts for the first time since their debut three years earlier. The girls, who looked around my age, were jumping with joy. Trembling, the leader of the group thanked their manager, their boss, their record label staff and stylists, and their fan club. She rattled off all these names like a rapid fire, so fast as if she'd rehearsed the speech a thousand times over. Finally, she finished with a cliché, delivered half-crying. Thank you for all your support. What a beautiful night. We love you so much. It made me wonder, 
Can the word love be thrown around so casually like that? I thought of books whose characters often resorted to death in their desperate search for love. I thought of the people I saw in the news who were obsessed with and even abusive to their loved ones because they thought they weren't loved anymore. I also thought of the stories of people who forgave the unforgivable after hearing just three words, I love you. From what I understood, love was an extreme idea, a word that seemed to force something undefinable into the prison of letters. But the word was used so easily, so often. People spoke of love so casually, just to mean the slightest pleasure or thanks, unquote. In the author's notes section of the book, she says, quote, I have come to think that love is what makes a person human, as well as what makes a monster. That's the story I wanted to tell. Love in all its many beautiful and terrible, helpful and harmful layers. This will definitely bring to mind a key moment in the BTS music video universe. Yoonji said, quote, Even though my brain was a mess, what kept my soul whole was the warmth of the hands, holding mine on both sides. A hand reaching out is a notable metaphor brought up several times throughout this book. You don't need to say a word like love to feel it. Which is why, in Damien, there's that key quote, Love must not entreat or demand. Love must have the strength to become certain within itself. So you have to find internal peace to make peace with the world around you. That's something BTS's story touches on in many different ways. If you don't connect to the world using the exact same language, using the same terms as everyone else, that does not prohibit you from feeling the same feelings as everyone else. You find the meanings of those feelings that words cannot describe fully within yourself. There are some references to other books I've talked about in this series of episodes, too. And actually, in this book, Almond, Professor Yoon tries to buy the book Damien from the bookstore. But it was so beloved by his mom that Yoonji didn't want to sell that copy. And so he said it cost a million won just to get him off of the idea of buying it. There are other plot parallels I see, probably unintentional, but still interesting nonetheless. The main character entering a half state of consciousness toward the end of the story, followed by a moment of clarity, going to visit someone you befriended but they're suddenly missing. A character like Dora in Damien is Beatrice, who Sinclair grows to love. She becomes this personification of finding your true desires in life. There's the class divides conflict. There are references to Abraxas, referring to the mixing of good and bad in the world, and how all these situations are not just black and white and clearly defined. Some more overt BTS story parallels I see. Unintentional, this book actually came out after these BTS music videos, but still really interesting. Gon has been missing, separated from his parents, for 13 years, not just because he behaved badly and went to live in a group home, but because his mom put work over everything. They went to a theme park one day, and even then she couldn't stop working, took a work call, turned her back on him for one second, and never saw him again. He got lost at an amusement park. Sound familiar, BTS fans? Then I was also reminded of V's storyline in the Stigma video where he refuses to acknowledge his parents. It made me think of Gon refusing to acknowledge who his father is. In the reflection monologue, they include a reference to stretching your hands out to someone, as well as describing a timeless, ageless face. 
which, long story short, plays a role in the kinds of deep conversations Gon and Yunjie, in their own unique way, have with each other about the nature of time. There's the Abraxas references in BTS's work too, and then there's the text on the screen in BTS's video for Awake. Quote, we cried a lot and laughed a lot, but it was so beautiful. The highs and the lows. Feeling everything was so beautiful and emotional. That seems to be the sense of relief we hear from Yoonjae after he does start to feel everything. As I said in BT Study Guides, there are also parallel messages about not toughing it out alone, admitting you need other people in your life, vulnerability as a strength, people being there for you, needing a yin to your yang, life being in shades of gray. Yet another reference to something previously discussed on RM's Rex, the Catcher in the Rye is referenced in Almond, and Yoonjae is reflecting on that book's meaning, and that has a lot of interesting tie-ins too, because the main character in that book, if you recall, leaves it all very up in the air in the end, uses the symbol of a lake to describe it frozen or not frozen as the transition to adulthood, and here, trying to make waves out of a serene lake is Yoonjae's metaphor for trying to fit in. The Catcher in the Rye also features the amusement park scene, struggling to cope with the loss of a loved one, total misunderstandings of social situations, totally misinterpreting, like that poem about the Catcher itself, the fact that Holden condemns all these traits in other people, that he actually seems to be also criticizing in himself, the fact that his sister Phoebe seems to see right through him and know him better than he knows himself. There's a similar dynamic between Yoonjae and Gon. Then there's the story, The Art of Loving, which is a book. I kid you not, before reading Almond, I was planning on including in this RM's Rex series of episodes. And sure enough, The Art of Loving was involved in Almond. Yoonjae recommends Gon read it. He doesn't recommend it ironically, but that's the way Gon takes it. It's a long PG-13 story. Some potential symbols you could read into, I think. The maimed butterfly. The candies he tried to grab from the restaurant the night of the murders. They were described as his mom and grandma's favorite because they were sweet and bitter. That mixing of different circumstances. Yoonjae also does have a dream with those candies in them later on. Some miscellaneous quotes I would like to leave you with because I just could not stop finding incredible quotes from this book to share. Number one, being ordinary was the trickiest path. Everyone thinks ordinary is easy, but how many of them would actually fit into the so-called smooth road the word implies? Number two, books to me shared the confessions of people I never met and lives I'd never witnessed. The emotions I could never feel and the events I hadn't experienced could all be found in those volumes. The worlds of movies, soap operas, or cartoons were already so meticulous that there were no blanks left for me to fill in. But books were different. They had lots of blanks. I could squeeze myself in there and sit or walk or scribble down my thoughts. It didn't matter if I had no idea what the words meant. There are many times when I escape into a book for that very reason. Or even just a music video universe for this show for that reason. With music and books, I can fill in the blanks. I can attach meaning to these flat, frustratingly weird words used to summarize emotions. I can put myself into a story and feel a sense of belonging in it. Number three, 
There's this part of the book where Yunji discusses the case of P.J. Nolan, an accused murderer who actually got the death penalty. Then the real culprit took the blame 17 years after his death. His memoir after his death was published, and what complicates this sympathy you might have for him is that although he did not commit this murder, he did have a long criminal history. The quote from P.J. Nolan in this book is, quote, There is no such person who can't be saved. There are only people who give up on trying to save others. I think I will leave you with that. All quotes really worth sitting with. And although I have told you the ending today, I hope I have piqued your curiosity enough and shared enough interesting tidbits with you that you still want to go read the book for yourself. Because its characters are so layered and complex, especially for a young adult book. Very interesting layered messages given that are worth really sitting with again and again, and taking new quotes from the book to think about every time. I can totally see why RM loved this book. BTS is always trying to be as inclusive as they can be, and are super sympathetic and empathetic. And to me, this book really did personally touch me. There are some books like The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime about autistic people that I think are frankly trash. They portray all the stereotypes of how autistic people write and think and sound. There are so many other flat portrayals of people like me. And then ones that are just cosplaying us. We've talked about that case before, but I'm just saying it's so refreshing to me when I see myself, truly see myself in a story. I really relate to Yoonjae here, and I hope that his story reminds people that the way we see the world without being neurotypical is not a bad way to see the world, and it's actually maybe closer to the way the world really is than through the lenses of neurotypical people who find more value in putting on appearances, a facade, buying into different social scripts. Those of us who kind of don't see the point in keeping up appearances, maybe we have something to teach you, a new perspective to take on, and are worth getting to know at the end of the day. Not just for the reasons that Gon tried to get to know Yoonjae. Frankly, if I were an adult in Yoonjae's life, I probably would tell him, don't you go near Gon again. But that's just one of the many complicating factors here to think about. You can't pick a kid's friends, but if that kid causes them harm, it's just really weird how people learn lessons from each other. I'm not making moral judgments about these characters because they are so layered, and I just really have been stuck thinking about them ever since I put this book down. So I encourage you also to A, reach your own conclusions about this book and its messages, its deeper meaning, and two, Read more books like this, I will recommend more on future episodes, that show who we are, neurodivergent people are, in our fullness, with layers. And please just stop excluding us. Please just, again, I'm getting frustrated right now with the limitations of language. Please don't assume how we think. Get to know us and ask us. You know, Yoonjae didn't even cry at his mom's funeral, and everyone was so horrified by that thought. But if you see moments like that, or maybe not even that dramatic, but you know, maybe withhold your judgment. Because everyone processes the world and internalizes situations differently. And at the end of the day, that is not a bad thing. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope this was a thought-provoking conversation starter for you. Highly recommended fast-paced read, so again, it's called Almond. Go check it out. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will talk to you all again very soon.